Well, good morning, choir. Thank you so much for that beautiful music, Brother David. Thank you. Uh, it is no coincidence that the music these three Sundays that I've been privileged to be with you have been coordinated with the message. And I have certainly noticed that, and I appreciate that very, very much. It helps sets the theme for the entire service. And I commend Brother David and the choir and the music ministry in helping us set that theme. Uh, it has been a joy to be with you these past three Sundays. I have thoroughly, Wanda and I have thoroughly enjoyed our visit with you. And uh, be assured, Paula and committee, of our prayers for you as you continue your work uh, and your search committee. You're doing a great work. Thank you for that great report this morning, and we continue to pray for them. One of the hardest jobs you'll ever do in a Baptist church is serve on a pulpit search committee. And uh, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for these members of your committee. I want to also thank the staff for their hospitality uh, and uh, fellowship uh, through these days. Uh, the communication we had uh, before we started these services, I appreciate it very, very much and all that they have done. And uh, it's been a joy to be back with Brother James and Suzanne especially because we've gone back a long, long way. And uh, I appreciate him. I was his youth minister for a number of years. I know I don't look that old. He looks older than I do, doesn't he? <laughs> Great guy. I mean, guys, I can tell you, ever since his college days, I've watched his ministry. Privileged to have him on my staff at Lakeside as our minister of students for a number of years. And I have learned to grow and appreciate Suzanne and, and James and Bethany and Jordan so much through these years. It's been a joy to watch these girls grow up. Good to see Bethany today. Pray for her. She starts a brand new job tomorrow. And those of us that's in the workplace know what it was like when we started our first job. And uh, well, it's not really her first job. She's changing careers, but it's going to be a great experience. And I told her a while ago, you'll do well in whatever you do. She's got a charming personality and a strong work ethic, and uh, she got that from her mother. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, she, she's going to do well. And it's good to see Mr. and Ms. Bishop here. Uh, I met Mr. and Ms. Bishop years ago. This is Suzanne's mother and father, and it's a joy to have you in the service today. We're so grateful to see you again and appreciate you being here. And uh, all of you that are here, Brother Chris, I had the opportunity of mentoring Chris for two semesters uh, while he was a student at Beeson, and uh, I had the, first, the joy of just he and I getting together over a cup of coffee and uh, for two semesters and helping him in his work, and uh, I learned as much from him, I'm sure, as he did from me. And I appreciate this young man who has the anointing of the Lord upon him, and uh, I'm grateful that you have him on your staff. Brother Gene and others that are here, God bless you. Would you take your Bible and turn with me to an obscure passage of Scripture? And you may be asking, what in the world is he going to do with that? Judges chapter 3 and verse 31. Judges chapter 3 and verse 31. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goat. And he also delivered Israel. I want you to think with me on the subject this morning, serving the Savior. Let's pray together. Father, in these moments we pray for the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. We know, Lord, that we do not stand in this place by our own calling, our own uh, gifts, but Lord, because of your grace and because of your mercy, 
because of your divine call upon our lives years ago. I pray, Father, that you'd bless the hear, ears, the mind, and the heart of every person who hears your word today. May your word find, fall on fertile soil. May it take root deep in our hearts and our souls. And may it cause us to make commitments that we need to make to you this day. Thank you for this great church. I pray your great blessings upon them, all of them, the staff team, the congregation, all of these who give leadership to this congregation, both as staff and lay people. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless them in the days ahead. And I pray for that one that you'll bring to lead them in the years that lie ahead. Now help us to turn our thoughts to this text and to the message that you have for us. And we'll be sure to give you the glory and the praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shamgar is one of those obscure men in the Bible. I dare say this may be the first sermon you've ever heard from a man named Shamgar. And it may be that you've never really heard of him unless you've read the Bible through. And it would be so easy to forget his name even if you did that. He's one of those obscure men in the Bible, but he had a place in God's plan. He represents so many people in the work of the Lord. He represents those people that I have discovered all my ministry, that are the unsung heroes in our churches and in the kingdom's work. These are the people who do not seek spotlights. These are the people in our churches who come faithfully, who give faithfully, they assume their responsibilities when given faithfully. They don't make a big noise, but they're always there in their pew. They're always there when the church needs them, when their neighbors need them, and when the king, the master, needs them. And so this message is dedicated to those people in the pews who may have made our churches great in the years past. There's not a church in this association, or my association, or in Alabama, are in the Southern Baptist Convention that has not had these kind of men and women in the very smallest of our rural churches, our medium-sized churches, our mega churches, are full of people like you who come and give and labor and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you do it because you love the Lord Jesus. You love his church. You love his people. And I commend you for it and dedicate this message to his glory and hopefully to your good. The message is dedicated to those who love the Lord. And Shamgar was one of those men who had a heart, a burning heart for the Lord, even though so little is known about him. He was one of the judges of Israel. Now remember, before the Israelites crowned King Saul, the first king of Israel, the country was governed by judges, judges that God had raised up, judges that God had anointed and uh, placed tremendous responsibility in judging the needs of the people. Uh, Samson is probably one of the best known judges that we read about and we study about and we know him a little bit more certainly better than we do Shamgar. But Shamgar was in that same mold. And most of the time that I've learned in my study of scriptures, these judges were mighty men of valor. Many of these judges were chosen because they were strong, mighty soldiers. They were strong men. And it took a strong man to lead a nation uh, in those days. The enemies of Israel were great. 
even as they are today as we are in this building. The enemies around Israel have always been those who have tried to take their land and try to take the place that God has given to them. The Philistines was one of the fierce enemies of Israel in Old Testament times. And many of the judges, including Samson, fought against the Philistines. And God anointed them and gave them great strength to have victory over the Philistines who were committed to wipe out the people of God and to remove them from the land that God had given to them through his promise to Abraham. And so they fought against Israel and fought against Israel and fought against Israel. And God raised up these judges and eventually Saul and Jonathan, his son, eventually they defeated the Philistines. And so Shamgar was one of those early judges. What can we learn from the life of such an obscure man about serving the Savior and serving the Lord? I want to share from his life three simple truths about our service to the Lord that we can learn from the man named Shamgar. The first simple truth is this. He did what he could. He did what he could for the Lord. Just that simple. He simply did what he could for the Lord. Well, what did he do? He killed 600 Philistines in battle. Now, we're not sure at all that that was 600 at one time. More than likely it was 600 through his military career. But he killed over 600 Philistines. Now, that in itself is a mighty task for one man, wouldn't you agree? To kill over 600 soldiers of the Philistines. And the Philistines, as we learn from the story of Goliath, we'll mention in a moment, were well armored from head to toe. They were, well, they were a well-prepared army and indeed a vicious foe. And we see in the story that Shamgar killed 600 of them with guess what his weapon was? The jawbone of a donkey. An ox goat. The jawbone of a donkey. Found probably out there in the wilderness where some little donkey had died and, and decayed and nothing was left but the bones. And there was a skull of that donkey and he picked it up and put it on his hand like a glove. And used it as a weapon against the mighty soldiers of the Philistine. If you read the story of Samson, he did the same thing. That was his weapon. An ox goad. But I'm telling you, it would do great damage. That thing was so sharp, those bones were brittle and sharp. And I'm telling you, in the hand of a well-trained soldier, it became a mighty weapon against even a man who might be covered from head to toe with armor. And so Shamgar did what he could. He did what he could. He, he served the Lord. He was a great soldier of the Lord. Application. Sometimes in our service to the Lord, we want to do more sometimes than God wants us to do. You may think that to be strange. Sometimes in the Christian life, and this is true in the Baptist world, all of us have tremendous expectations placed upon us by others. In the church, outside the church, in the home, outside the home, all of us shoulder enormous responsibilities from every sphere of our lives. 
And everybody we know has some expectation of us. Our parents had a tremendous expectation of us when we were children. They wanted us to do well in school. When we marry, our wife or our husband has a tremendous expectation of us being a good helpmate, a good husband, a good wife. Our children have expectations of us in being good parents. We have expectations of our teachers in our school to teach our children. And on and on, the expectations that we have placed upon us, all of us feel the weight of that at times in our lives. One of the things that I've had to learn as a pastor is to realize that sometimes some of those expectations are unrealistic. And there's no way in the world I could measure up to some of them. Some of the expectations that some people had of me along the way. And I had to realize that. I had to realize that, you know, as conscientious and as strong as a work ethic as I have, there is just some things I cannot do or do as well as others can do. And all of us know that and understand that. And so sometimes in our service to the Lord, my point is this, we feel like that we've got to do more than we can do. And the life from Shamgar that we learn, the principle from Shamgar that we learn is that God simply wants us to do, listen very carefully, God simply wants us to do what he can do through us. Not so much what we can do in our own effort and in our own flesh, but what he can do through us. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's the point. Shamgar was used by God and given a great strength as a warrior soldier to defeat the enemies of God. He did what he could. And God used him and God blessed him. And God wants you to do that as a servant. God simply wants you to do what he can do through you. He's the one that will empower you for service. He will be the one that can empower you to do greater things than you could ever do on your own. And that is the principle that we see in Shemgar. No, no one can do everything, but we can do something. In my senior year at our graduation uh, ceremony, we had a speaker, I don't know his name, couldn't tell you who in the world he was. I kind of checked out during some of his message. But uh, when he finally said, in conclusion, I perked up. <laughs> and the church is finally, brethren. And he closed with this poem. And I've never forgotten it. At age 17. I've never forgotten and have made it through all these years of ministry my personal motto. Here's what he said. I am but one person, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. I will not allow the things that I cannot do to keep me from doing the things that I can and by God's help shall do. And that has motivated me all of my ministry, all of my personal life and professional life to realize, no, I can't do everything, but I can do something. And Lord Jesus, whatever you can do with this vessel, 
to accomplish your work in the kingdom, I'm available. Someone said it's not so much our ability that God is interested in as much as it is our availability. And I think that is so, so true. We learn from Shamgar a tremendous principle in being a servant of the Lord. And that is that he did what he could. Second truth that we learn from Shamgar very quickly is notice that he did what he could with what he had. He did what he could with what he had. We've already talked about what he had, an ox goat. But he had more than that. He had a strong courage. He had a holy boldness as a soldier. He had a fierce competitive spirit that all suited him for the job that God called him to do. And he went out into battle with great confidence, not so much in himself as David did with the Goliath, but with knowing that the power of God and the anointing of God was upon him because he knew that God had called him to this task. So he did what he could with what he had, what had been placed in his hand, which was simply an ox gold. Well, when you study the scriptures, you'll find all through the Bible characters who did just that. They did what they could with what they had, with what God gave them, the resources that God entrusted them to be stewards of. For instance, Moses, in his call from God to deliver the nation out of Egypt into the promised land, what a task for a leader to lead over two million people out of Egypt into what is now known Israel, the promised land. And all that Moses and the people of Israel experienced during that time, you're talking about a man whose leadership was tested. Moses' leadership was tested over and over again. The people constantly murmured against him. When they didn't have bread, when they didn't have water, when they didn't have food, they all complained to Moses. What a tremendous task. When Moses was in that wilderness, before he became, went back to Egypt to talk to Pharaoh and lead the people out, remember he had killed an Egyptian, so he had to be exiled from Egypt for 40 years. That's all part of God's plan. That's when he went to seminary. That's when God took him to school and prepared him 40 years for an 80-year ministry. And there, while he's in the wilderness, one day he looked down and said, you know, every shepherd, he was a shepherd of Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep. Now keep in mind, he had been second in power to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. But when he killed that Egyptian, he had to leave because an Egyptian was beating up one of his Hebrew brothers and he came to his aid and had to flee the country. And now from second, sitting on the throne of Pharaoh, second to Pharaoh, he's now a shepherd in the wilderness. Talking about a demotion from our perspective, but not from God's. God had him right where he wanted him, even though Moses couldn't see that and realize that at the time. He finds an old stick that he picks up called a rod, a staff, a shepherd's staff. And very quickly, 
he took that staff, and remember he saw a burning bush that was on fire, and he goes to the burning bush, he hears the voice of God, and God gives him his orders. And Moses argues with God and offers all the excuses as to why he can't serve the Lord just like we do. And God helped him get through all of his excuses and convinced him he was the man. But I want you to notice something significantly in that story. It was God who called attention to the rod in Moses' hand. And he said, Moses, what's that in your hand? And maybe for the first time since he picked it up, Moses never gave another second thought. He said, Lord, it's just, it's just a stick. It's just a rod. I found it back there in the wilderness. I thought I'd use it as a shepherd's rod. God said, throw it down. Threw it down and became a snake. He told him to take it up. And that's when I would have left the scene right there. <laughs> he told him to take it up and it became a rod again. And you remember, in the rest of Moses' ministry, that rod became a significant symbol of God's power on the ministry of Moses. He used it to part the Red Sea. He used it to strike the rock. Over and over again, we see the significance of a simple rod in the hand of a meek man, both empowered by God. The rod of Moses became the rod of God when the moment he threw it down and gave it to God. What's that in your hand? What is that that God has placed under your stewardship while you're here? What resources has God entrusted into your care for him and his kingdom while you're here as a servant of the Lord? What's that in your hand that God has given to you and one day will hold you and me accountable for what we have done with the resources he gave to us to advance his kingdom? And I want to remind you that's exactly why you have the resources you have. Because God has blessed you. God has loved you because you've loved God. And God has blessed you and honored your faith. And God has blessed you with material possessions and a lot of other things. He's placed a lot of things in our hands. And we've got this mistaken idea somehow or another that it's just for us to spend on ourselves. To have a bigger house, to have a bigger garage, or drive a bigger car and buy more clothes. Nothing wrong per se with that. We have to have needs. But my gosh... When I read in the newspaper, did you know that Elton John went bankrupt making $460 million a year? How in the world can you go bankrupt? I mean, when I read that, heard that story, I just, I almost just fell out of my truck. Man, if you can't make it on $460 million a year, there's no hope for you. But my goodness. Just an example 
of what we do a lot of times with the resources that God has given us. We use it on ourselves. And we don't see the tremendous needs around us among the least of these that we sung about a while ago. David, Moses used that rod for the glory of God. The rod of Moses became the rod of God. Mary did the same thing with that alabaster box of perfume. She brought it to Jesus. The most expensive possession she had, but she gave it to Jesus. The little boy with the lunchbox who fed 5,000 that day gave his little lunchbox to Jesus that had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus multiplied it. The little boy was willing to give what he had to Jesus. David took a simple slingshot and five smooth stones and went out and killed Goliath. What did he have in his hand? A slingshot and five smooth stones. And he killed a giant that was armored from head to toe. And the only place he didn't have any armor was between his eyes. And David was a tremendous marksman with that slingshot. And he had one stone, put it in there and killed him. Hit him right between the eyes and Goliath fell dead. Someone asked Dr. Lee, R.G. Lee one time, Dr. Lee, why did he have five smooth stones when he only used one? Dr. Lee said, well, David heard Goliath had four brothers. How was he able to do that? Because what he had in his hand, a slingshot, had been given, a life had been given to God. And God used him in a mighty way. The only thing that limits God in all of our lives is our lack of faith in him. The sky is the limit as to what a child of God can do or what God can do through him if he has the faith to believe and the trustworthiness and commitment to place what he has in the hands of God and simply surrender it and ask God to take it and use it for his glory. Shamgard was a mighty servant of God because he did what he could. He did what he could with what he had. And lastly, he did what he could with what he had where he was. Where he was. Where was he? Right where God called him in Israel. Application. Sometimes we think in our service to God that we've got to go overseas. We've got to be called to be a missionary. We have to be an ordained person, set apart for our ministry's causes. And all of that has its place. You're going to be ordaining a deacon tonight or deacons to take a servant role within this church, and that's as you should be. But not all of us. In fact, the majority of God's army is not ordained in the sense that we ordained in the church. But you have been ordained, set apart for the purposes of God. And the use of God, and you've been gifted by God to carry on ministry wherever you are. You see, you don't have to go overseas to serve the Lord. Thank God for those that do. Thank God for our missionaries that go overseas. That's their calling, and God has called them to represent His kingdom in languages and cultures 
where they do not know Christ. Praise God for them. But the majority of us usually stay in our own community, in our home, and hopefully support them with our prayers and our money and our tithes and our offerings and even go on mission trips to join them, to labor beside them. And that's as we should. But most of us are right here where we are. And if we're not careful, we can begin to think that where we are is insignificant. And what we have in our hand is insignificant. It's so little. It's so small. How in the world could God use it? I love that old song that we used to sing, Little is much if God is in it. And that is so true. God, and these illustrations I gave you, is an illustration of where God took someone's little bit and blessed it and made it bigger than people ever dreamed it could be. And my point in the message this morning, to you who are his servants in this generation and in this culture, he has placed tremendous resources in our hands. In fact, they tell us this, this is the generation, the baby boomer generation, my generation, and my dad's generation, there's going to be the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of the United States taking place. When my dad places and takes their resources and passes it on to my generation, and my generation passes it on to their children. Now, it won't be as much as it used to be. <laughs> because a lot of things have changed since those days, but still, it's a tr- compared to the rest of the world's economies, we're the richest nations in this world, or have been for years. We're slipping. Could it be? Could it be? That we're becoming so greedy and so concerned about ourselves that a nation that was once rich in faith and commitment to Christ and to his kingdom and I'm convinced that's why he's blessed this nation over 220 something years because we've been a free nation we've been able to have freedom of religion freedom of expression of those religion of those religious beliefs which are now as we know being limited at every level Could it be that God is raising up other nations now to become the economic engines of the world? Could it be that now God is in the process because he sees the decay and the corruption in America and the loss of spirit, the loss of heart, the loss of commitment to the Christian faith and to Christianity, that God is moving now those resources to other places that will honor him, like Korea? like Brazil. Korea probably is one of the most Christianized nations now in the world. They're sending missionaries to America. I don't know. But I do know this one thing. Our history reflects that we have been a blessed people. Blessed by God because freedom's light and the gospel light has been able to flourish without being hindered in this nation and has afforded us the opportunity to carry that gospel light to the ends of the world. 
God has used us because we have been used to carry out his purposes in the world. And here's what breaks my heart as a pastor. Some of our political leaders and others do not recognize and realize this fact. We're not a blessed nation because we're America. We're not blessed because God loves us more than he loves any other group, people group in the world. No more than he loved Israel, more than he loved the other nations. He wanted Israel to become a nation of priests to carry the message that there's only one God to the pagan nations of the world. And I believe God used America in the same way because freedom flourished here from the very beginning when the pilgrims landed. And freedom's light has burned brightly in, this air, in our country. And because freedom's light and because we cherish our freedoms, we also cherish the freedom of liberty and the freedom to worship God as one pleases. And it's because of that environment that's been so healthy in the past that has given us the platform from which to carry the gospel to the ends of the world. And I'm so afraid we have forgotten that as a people of God. And we need revival and renewal and come back. We need entrepreneurs all over this world who will invest the resources that God's given them again, renewed to building the kingdom of God and leaving a legacy of faith. Chamgar was a great servant. He did what he could. He did what he could with what he had. He did what he could with what he had where he was. God wants you to bloom where he's planted you. He's planted you in Birmingham, Alabama in a community called Meadowbrook on this part of a great city. And God wants all of us to use our resources as his servants to do what we can with what we have where we are for his glory. Let's stand for prayer. Father, in these moments I pray that you would help us to relook at our commitment, revisit our commitment that we may have made a long time ago. But Lord, it may be in bad need of renewal. It may be in need of revisiting to get our priorities straight again. It may need for us to revisit to remember that you are the God of everything. You own everything. We're only stewards. And Lord, we also realize you can take it from us just as sure as quick as you gave it to us. Help us to be good stewards of that which you've given to us. Our time, our talents, our tithe, all the resources, our influence among others in the world in which you've placed us. There are many men and women in this room, in the business world, who have great influence on others. Some who do not know you as Savior. And God, I pray that you'd help them to be a strong witness in that office, in that environment, in that corporation, in that company. Help these young people to be strong witnesses at their school and in their first circle of friends. Help us all to do what we can with what we have where we are. And bring a smile across your blessed face. And one day when we come to be with you, might hear those words from your lips. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.